Happy Designer. My name is Jake Van Ness, and I'm here with Carl from Holy Carp Design. How you doing? I am winning. You're, How are you? You're winning. I like it. Nice, nice. I'm good. I'm good. I'm uh, glad it's Friday. I will say that, and I'm glad it's the Friday before Christmas. Cause, man, it's been crazy this week. Thanks, sweet baby Jesus. <laughs> Remember, send your emails to him. <laughs> yeah, well. All requests must be submitted in writing. Okay, all right, all right. So, uh, yeah, it's just been a crazy week, and obviously this is our last show of 2018. Um, I'm actually going to try to get this done for New Year's Eve. No, Christmas Eve, which is Monday. So uh, that'll be our last show for this year, and then we'll start recording again in 2019 and see how it goes from there. But why don't we jump right into design news? What do you have, which is actually kind of cool? Sure. So a recent client of mine uh, was recent was featured in a write-up in uh, the Boston Globe. One of my clients uh, is Nobility Hill Tavern, which uh, replaced a um, restaurant in Stoneham, Mass. that had a 40-year history. So it was a fit community favorite. Um, and the... Um, the thing that uh, was written up is a review of this new restaurant and the, the new look and feel and the new menu. So I just want to celebrate a win of one of my clients, Nobility Hill Tavern. Uh, great work and uh, looking forward to sharing um, their food with a lot of my friends as well. So what did you it's, do it's for them exactly? So this was one of those clients that I was brought in um, through BNI uh, by the web designer to do a full like uh, logo suite basically. Nice. Um, and that includes uh, a series of icons that we use on the menu. Um, the overall brand, which is three icons. Uh, one is this main graphic that they have plastered on many different things. They've etched it on glass. They painted it on the wall that's on the podium as you come in. Um, and then there's uh, the logo that we put on the shirts, which is slightly different. And then there's the overall logo that is everywhere else. So um, that was a uh, logo created in partnership. Um, as I grow in my design work, I try and uh, source some creative from some of my peers, such as yourself and the Art Owls. Yeah. Um, and this came together as an, a wonderful experience of working collaboratively with this web designer, the creatives that are behind me, and um, then just bringing this whole brand together. So uh, final deliverables include um, a catering menu, uh, a takeout menu, and um, we're going to do a brand style guide just so that they remain consistent over time. Very cool, very cool. I'm looking at the article, and I have to say, working on newspapers myself, I love the fact that there is not there's a picture of food, but there is not a damn thing in that picture that has the logo in it. And I'm like, why do people that do newspapers do this? It drives me insane. Like that could be a plate of food from any restaurant anywhere. There's no right, and they they describe the food for you, and they don't even. Or they describe the interior, and they don't even have pictures of the interior. Why, with with the internet being what it is, and data you know moving so fast, why is there only one or two pictures? That that's funny because we actually just talked about that with the paper that I work on. That currently we only do one, 
and we've had a couple things where we've gone in after the paper comes out, after we upload it, and we're starting to put in two or three more pictures in almost a gallery setting. And there's a lot of papers that do that. But I just laugh because it's like they could have put a napkin, they could have put a coaster, they could have put something in the picture to show that it was they, that restaurant. Even if they had a picture of the owner or the, the they talk about the chef, yeah, brand, brand new uh, executive chef who is um, an up-and-coming star and she's amazing and just a picture of, or the family. They talk about the whole family working there. Yeah. Something that, that kind of enhances more about that. But that's critiquing the article. Yeah, the, yeah. The, I just the, thought that was interesting. The I, place I, is awesome, though. Yeah, but I, I look for it. Yeah, you got to stop posting photos of this food from there and be in there because I haven't been there with you yet, and I need to make that well, happen. Yeah, you got to come to Boston, dude. Yes, I do. I do. Well, that's awesome. That's really cool to see that. A client of yours is being written up. It's always neat to to see the client get the recognition they deserve and to work with a client. That's half the fun, I think, of what we do as creatives is working with businesses and seeing them have success with their business because of things that we've been able to help them with. So that's awesome. Congratulations on that. And and this particular logo um, was quite a journey to come through. It is going to become a case study for Holy Carp Design once I launch my full site. Cool. Because there is a story to tell. We went through eight revisions, and we kind of went back and forth. But when we landed on this one, it just felt um, like that journey was necessary to hit this point. I'm not going to say we knew it when we saw it, because that's the worst idea. But <laughs> There was a strong concept behind this, and we kind of grew into this brand. Just the whole environment that we were setting up within the restaurant, the the um, language we were using and talking about the place, the new American comfort food description, what all this all meant, kind of came together into this nice neighborhood tavern. So, so you were more involved with... Or you were... You were involved with a lot more than just developing a logo. It seems to me like you really had some great conversations with the owners about the overall branding and the overall feel of the restaurant and the way it was going to look and the way they wanted the, the the things in the restaurant to be and then to take all of those ideas and have it work its way through the logo and, and come up with that final concept that's interesting yes and that's one thing we need to say about our ideal customer is we are creating a journey that together we will have something that we all can be happy with um because our service is a consultant type of service i mean we were having this conversation about trying to be service versus product and being just a service is kind of hard if you're charging just hourly because you can't divide yourself. Correct. Products are easy. You have a static thing and you just sell it. And, and I think time part of is it too is I've seen how that relationship with that client has grown for you where it's it's not just a, oh, I did a design, I'll see you later, and you don't ever really talk to them. Like You enjoy going to the restaurant. You enjoy having that relationship with the client that is much deeper than just a business relationship, which is always fun to have. Right. And this, this was a good journey and also testing a new relationship with one of my creative partners, um, in BNI, 
this was our, our inaugural project and we started this back in April and to have this come to a close and be such a phenomenal place um, opens up doors for us to partner more. So we were working through that process and um, I, I got to give them credit. Um, BizID, who's done the website, has done an amazing job getting this client, walking him through the process, stepping back and letting me do the creative and then kind of coming back and bringing that vision to life on the web. Very cool. Yeah, it's awesome when you have those collaborations work out so well for you, for your client as well, so that the client can see that they, they have a team there to really help them bring their dream to fruition. We, so it's cool. And and the one consistent thing is we all have pride of ownership for the, the pieces that we pulled together. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Congratulations on that. That's pretty cool to see the write-up and to see that whole process work out for you and, and have something that I, I know myself, like I have a client that I did a very big project for, the Conklin Center, and there is just an awesome sense of pride when I drive by that establishment and see the, the logo and see the work that I've done, and, and they have vehicles that are around, and I see the vehicle lettering. So I'm sure it's very much the same for you. There's not only do you enjoy the food, but there's a real sense of pride to go into a place like that and say, hey, you know, that's my work. That's something I did. And it's not a small business. It, it is a establishment that is doing very, very well in the community. So there is that awesome sense of pride too. Absolutely. All right. So, so what do you got for news? I have, this is kind of interesting. And, and I, I, Kind of a surprise that somebody hasn't done this before. We all know that eye chart that you use when you go in to figure out how blind you are and how bad your glasses need to be. So this company or this creative agency called Anti developed a font called the Op... Op Optician. Thank you. Optician Sans. And it's a font that basically built out the rest of the letters from the chart. And what I was reading in the article is that um, Sloan, which is the last name of the person who came up with the actual test, and it looks like back in 1959, Louise Sloan, who gave her name to the Sloan font, was only 10 letters at the time. It was C, D, H, K, N, O, R, S, V, and Z. And those are the ones that you see on the chart. I also thought it was interesting that Auntie ran into kind of an issue trying to build out the rest of the, I think, 16 other characters to make it a total of 26 characters. They found that the chart was, and we've seen it, is very rectangle. And so all of the letters were very much built in the same spacing. And it's a monospace type yeah, of font. Right. And yeah. so they said that's very interesting because that's not typically how a font is built. Like all the letters are not typically the exact same size. And so they found it a little bit difficult to build out the rest of the letters without making some minor adjustments to those original 10 letters. And I sit here and go, nobody else has done this. Like it's a, it amazes me that this original 10 letters were built back in 1959 and nobody actually developed the rest of the, 26 letters it just seemed crazy to me that that didn't happen it's kind of a i mean it's not the most exciting font but it it's from the the optical test it's not like that optical test really had the most exciting font on it 
Don't lay out a book in this, please. Oh, come on. <laughs> well, it, it's funny because it, it it's definitely interesting. Um, I don't know. I, as a designer, I feel like I'm always cheating on that test because we study type oh, yeah. all day long, every day. Yeah. It's interesting. It says here that the original uh, font was developed for a project um, for the place called Optician K. K standing for the Croak family that owned the business since 1877. So not only did they develop the Optician Sans font, but they actually developed it because they were doing a project, a local project for a specific client. So it's interesting that they, they decided to build the rest of this out. Now, I want to know if they used the correct spacing and the letters and the font on their test at that optician or if they use the original one <laughs> so that'd be interesting so it's just it was a neat little thing where i was like oh it's kind of cool that somebody built the rest of that font out so that now it's available with all 26 characters so yeah something that is cool yeah it's kind of cool so now are they doing this as a free font or is this something I, they have... I don't know i think it's let's see i click on a link <laughs> Oh, that's that a cool is free. site. That is a cool site. Yeah, it is. So I'll I'll put a link to both the article and the site itself. And it's cool because it talks about That's interesting. They talk about the the original test from 1862. Then they talk about the Sloan test from 1959 and then they show the Optician Sands from 2018. And some of the slight differences in the letters. And, and, it, and when you open this up in the specimen view, it feels like you're taking an eye test. Yeah, yeah. That is really cool. I, I've always had a fascination with font development and what it takes to really build a font. It's not something I would ever want to do because it seems like it is such an in, intricate thing to have to do and there's so much minor detail you have to keep ironically an eye on and i think that i've always found it really interesting how people especially when people get into like script fonts and things like that the things they have to think about when it comes to building that out as a font well it's interesting because in this one um you see uh in the type specimen the quick brown fox jumps and you see the W has these arcs, like the arms actually have a little angle to them, but the M is straight down. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, the C is so close to being a fully closed letter that it's almost an O. So it's like, oh, that's why some of these letters may not be on that chart, because the way this font was created, the letters may be a little skewed and readability so they, they yeah. kept specific letters in fact the my optometrist mentioned that there are some letters that you will never see on the chart because reasons so yeah that's interesting that that is really cool so yeah I'll, I'll have a link to the article which was over on i think it's on design dzine so i will have that and then i'll also put a link to the actual font site so you guys can check that out and see that 
site and see what the cool things that are there. Now I want to make a font chart with a, a sans serif font, or a serif font, rather. Yeah. Just as a project, like a poster. That'd there be fun. you go. What you got to do is you got to find some way to incorporate something in there that has to do with your branding. Yeah, that would actually be great. Yeah, that'd be a cool project. Like we have cool. time for those kinds of things. Right. <laughs> All right, so... Freaking buried. <laughs> what are we talking about today? What are we doing? We didn't really have too much of a subject coming into this, but I did see some things in the last week that I was kind of scratching my head about. And obviously, being the end of the year, being the end of 2018, a lot of people are making their projections, their goals, their plans for 2019. And one of the articles, or several of the articles I've been seeing lately are... Goals are bad. You shouldn't have goals. You shouldn't make goals a priority. And that just seems so backwards. Millennial. No, no, it's millennial. <laughs> again, Don't stress again, me out. Again, send your emails to him. Uh, <laughs> he's being a troublemaker today. So it, it is, it's interesting because when I read the articles and I was kind of like, okay, yeah, I agree. Some of it is like, oh, we don't want to stress people out because if you fail to make your goal, then it's the end of the world. And having goals is a stressful thing to have to think about because you're always reaching. But isn't that the point of having goals? God forbid we have a little stress in our lives. Well, I don't think that's a problem for us. <laughs> so I just All right. I found it interesting yeah. because I... I have never been one to really set business goals, and part of that is it being a young business. <laughs> I guess I did have one one business goal, and that was to not go out of business. I didn't really have start. anything else. <laughs> a roof over my head, food in front of me, um, and something to burn if I ever need to be warm. Specific measurable uh what are the other parts of smart goals goals don't have to be stressful they can be your mild um, markers in trying to grow yourself grow your business and if you don't have goals i i i don't see how anyone can take you uh seriously in 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 business especially if you're trying to get lending and, and running your business financing if you don't have goals, your bank's going to be like, hmm, take a hike. Right, because that, that's basically why you make a business plan, is that that's basically setting up what your expectations are of where you want to be, and that that's what I would consider goals. And it, it's funny because I, I do understand the point, because I'm kind of on both sides of this a little bit, I understand the point of setting goals, and in 2019, I'm going to set a few goals because I want something that I can use as a motivator to push me in directions that I want to go. At the same time, I understand the people that are coming out and saying, okay, goals are not the best way to look at it. The best way to look at it is what process are you putting in place? And I get that. But how do you know, how do you measure anything if you don't have the goals? Like, I understand developing a process and developing something that's going to work in a long term to continue, continue to push you forward. 
But how do you know if it's working if you don't have the goals? That that's it's it's really a catch twenty two with that. So you need some goals because if you're going to measure the re- results of your process, you need something to measure to. So is it what your income has become? Is it how quickly your cycle of create creative cycle is? Um, how many new clients have you hit? Um, success of a marketing campaign. Um, if you don't have goals for your own business, you got to make damn sure you at least have goals for your clients. <laughs> well, and I, and I think this is a perfect example. This quote from an article says, defining goals defines your limitations. That's fine. I'm cool with that. Well, no, see, I'm not because the whole point of a goal is to to have something to measure so that when you get to that goal and you continue to go, you can say, okay, that was step one. Right. Now, so you just, now I'm going to walk up another 10 steps and my next goal is 10 steps up the staircase. It seems like everybody's looking at goals as the top of the staircase. And once you get to the top of the staircase, you just stop and sit down. Well, that, that's why I bring back the SMART goals. The speci- that's an acronym for measurable goals, uh, specific, measurable, blah, blah, blah. I forget the other three letters. <laughs> um, but you need goals to work towards, and nothing says that they have to be set in stone. Goals can be fluid. Um, you know, as, as scope changes, as, you know, choices and decisions are made, you may need to... Um, adjust your goal, whatever that may be. Well, and I think that is the issue is I think that people say, okay, a goal is set in stone and a goal is if is not fluid, that it's a, it's a single thing that has to happen. And I think that you're right. It, it does need to be fluid. It needs to be transforming. And at the same time, it needs to be measuring I think that's the way I look at goals is it's a measurement system to help me continue the process. I do agree. Goals can give you a stress factor. They can give you a disappointment factor. I, I as a, an ex cross country runner, I obviously had goals and, and I'll tell you the story. Like I had goals growing up for how fast I wanted to run a mile, how fast I wanted to run 5K, 3.1 miles, and how fast I wanted to run 10K, which was 6.2 miles. And I literally had, and and I guess this is the difference between setting a single goal and setting multiple goals is kind of that fluid idea, is I had on the wall in my bedroom, right in front of where I would wake up every morning, three rows up on the, the wall. The top of each row said mile, 5K, and 10K. And underneath there was, and I can't remember exactly how the increments were, and I almost think they were like 5 to 15 seconds like on the mile side, and then on the 5K was a little bit more because the distance. But I had several sheets of paper with time printed on them. And as I went through my high school career, I was able to put X's through the sheets that pushed me to get to the next level. And to me, that was setting the goal of saying, okay, row one was this time for each one. And once I hit that, I already had goal two, which was right underneath it. And so, and, and part of what I did is I didn't just take the time down. 
I put an X through that time so that I could look at that and say, okay, I accomplished that part. Now I want to accomplish the next goal. So I think that's that's this whole not setting goals thing is missing the concept of, and, and I really want to, I would want to ask somebody, okay, if you don't set goals, what is your measurement system? Right. Well, let's basically you say to them, um, first get a job. No. Um, <laughs> I don't know. You're very cynical I, today. I like this. <laughs> I am. I finally found what smart means. Okay. And I'm going to share it because I mentioned it like six times. <laughs> okay. Specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-based. So if you're not setting these goals, like you said, how do you know how successful you are? Goals can be... Uh, I would start small. I'd like to know where I'm going, but I would set small goals to get me to that point. So it's kind of like uh, I've worked in corporate so long that I hear all these terms. It's the long game and the short game. Well, you can have goals in both. What do you want your your overall business to be? Where where are we at the end of 2019? What's going to be different next year that was this year? Well, my goal was to launch a business and be successful. We just had our final payroll, so I've hit my goal for this year. All right. Right. So, and, and, you know? Yeah, and I and I guess, it, I mean, this another article that I'm going to pull a quote out of, and, and this one completely baffles me. Goals can get you to work harder, focus more, and perform better. But they can also make you more likely to cheat, kill your creativity, and make you less likely to thrive. But wait a minute. Didn't we just talk about the fact that they make you work harder, focus more, and perform better? Doesn't that matter? Like, I, I, I really don't understand these things. Like, it, it, I guess I'm more on the goal side than I realize because it, it makes me realize how ridiculous this whole don't set goals because it'll get you too stressed out idea is. Like, what? It really comes down to me, and this is the part I don't get. What are you using to measure success? Or, or right. are we all of a sudden going to live in this world that everybody's successful because we have no measurement of what success is? I mean, every Everyone gets a medal. <laughs> all emails can be submitted to me. <laughs> I, say, I can't wait. <laughs> all complaints must be written in triplicate. Yeah, triplicate and mailed. Uh, and mailed. So, yeah, I, let's see. What's, what? This one from the Huffington or Huff Post says, "Why goals? Goal setting doesn't work." Yeah, good luck on getting your raise if you're an in-house designer not working towards goals. I know this, but I don't understand. And I think who's pressing this too? Is it management? Is it some new strategy they're pushing, like they did mindfulness and like they did trying to do yoga and all this other? Oh yeah, I think that's what they're trying. I think it's a we want to live in a less stressful society. And, and as much as you joke about the metal for everybody, it is very much the, we want to live in a less stressful society. So we're not going to put stresses in place. At any point, does anybody going to realize that half the problem we have right now is because we don't have stresses in place and people don't know how to handle that. Like, okay. So 
you can't have failures if you don't have goals. I really think that's what it comes down to. You, you don't have stress and you don't have failures. To me, that's not the real world. That's not realistic. And that's not going to make you have a good business. And I'm not going to use the word successful because that can't possibly be what you're going for if you don't have any measurement system. So yeah, it, it's, I agree. it's really interesting. Even though I have not been one to really set hard defining goals, I have always had goals on a much minor level that were things, like I said, like not going out of business and things like you said, having a roof over my head, having the money to pay my bills. Of course, those are really soft goals, I would say. I've never really had the, I want to make $100,000 by the end of 2019. I've never really set that kind of hard goal. And, and maybe it is because I'm afraid to set that goal because I'm afraid to have that failure or have that stress of trying to hit that goal. So maybe I do fall into that a little bit. And I and that's I guess that's the part I can understand where they're coming from a little bit, but I think it's a mistake to try to run your life that way. You're never going to feel like you accomplished something if you haven't had a goal to accomplish. Like it's just a really weird dynamic that I'm seeing right now. You know, I would do it small. I would either say increase my sales quarterly, quarter over quarter, year over year, like 4% or 10% or whatever my arch goal is or new clients or new skills, you know, something. Um, do, do something and buy when and what's my measure of success? Mastery or intimate knowledge or is it just surface level knowledge? That kind of thing. We were talking about this yesterday in this little mastermind group. Yeah, yeah. And, and I guess skill. that's what kind of got me thinking about it because we were talking about it in that mastermind group. And then I started seeing these articles pop up and I'm like, it, it just didn't make any sense to me. So let, let's get away from that argument and kind of talk about a little bit of what you were bringing up. What do you think as a rookie designer, what can a rookie designer put in place to say, okay, what are some goals they can think about? So if they're new to doing design, what are some of the goals or what are some of the goals that you set in place when you first started doing design? What are some of the things that you said, okay, I want to achieve this or I want to get to this level? What were some of the things that you felt you put in place? My initial goals were basically a career path. Start out, I'm going to start out in production. I got a degree in graphic design, but I don't know how things get printed. So let's work on that. And then setting kind of a path forward into becoming designer. And then I got the label print production manager and then senior designer. And now I run my own business. So career path was my initial goal. First getting into the field and saying, I'm going to do what I spent all that money at college for. Um, and then there's also, you, you should have goals of finding the movers and shakers in your community who you can learn from, finding a mentor. That, I think, is an easy enough goal because you've, you will have to set up you know, research. Who do I want to learn from? What industry are they in? Um, getting time to sit down with them, seeing what you can learn from them, and maybe even skill training with them, skill building. Um, 
I think these are a few goals that I, if I was a new designer, I would try and do. And they don't all have to be in the, you know, real life. You can do this virtually. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big world. Um, So those are things I would do if I was starting out fresh. Um, Yeah. I think, yeah, I agree with all of that stuff. I think that it's really important to focus on growing your skills, growing your your network as far as not necessarily clients because I think when you're brand new – now, Grant, if you're brand new and you're crazy like I am and you just decide to jump off the side of a building and make your, your career a, a business of your own, then yes, one of your goals is obviously going to be I need to land a client. That's great. But if you're if you're in high school, you're in college and you're saying, Okay, I wanna I wanna grow kinda of the way you did and say, Okay, I wanna grow into a business of my own, I think focusing on your skills is really important early on. I think focusing on your project management skills, just even your that's your huge. school projects and say Yeah, that's huge. Um, I think focusing on Figuring out, honing in on the skills that you're the most comfortable with and figuring out where you can really thrive and then saying, okay, are there other areas that I can focus on to to grow? So, for example, if you're really, really good at Photoshop, but your illustration skills are are lacking, then say, okay, obviously you don't need to focus a ton of time on Photoshop. Maybe you need to spend some more time on hand drawing and more time on illustrations. Um, Same thing with building a community. I think that it's important for new designers. It's important for all designers to build a community around them and doing the research, like you said, to find those things. Uh, Mentor. Absolutely. You and I have both had a generous amount of mentors over the years. We, for people who are much younger, they may not know what online forums were, we had a lot of mentors in there. Um, we had a lot of people that we looked up to, that we asked for help, that we built relationships with. I think it's mm-hmm. important to say, okay, I'm going to set a goal that I want to reach out to a mentor this next year and build a relationship with that person. But ultimately, if, if you are looking to make money with your design, you're looking to have a business, it is important to say, okay, I want to have. I, I. You need to set your goal of what your hourly rate is going to be, or what your project rate is going to be, and then you need to say, okay, how am I going to get that first client? What steps am I going to have to do? Part of goal setting too is backtracking from that goal, and saying, okay, what are the steps that I need to take to reach that goal? And that could be anybody that sets a goal, and that's kind of what I'm trying to do in 2019 is to say, okay, where do I want to be at the end of 2019? What are the things that quarterly I need to do to reach that goal? Now, again, does that mean at the end of 2019, when I go, woohoo, I made my goal, I'm going to go into 2020 and go, I don't need to do a damn thing. I reached my goal in 2019. No, absolutely not. It's always about going beyond that and saying, okay, Mm -hmm. in 2020, I'm going to figure out what I want to do at six months, at a year, and backtrack from there. Um, But I think it's important for younger designers not to, and maybe this is where things were going, don't don't set a ton of huge, lofty goals. 
pick some small things. Like I think one of the things that you and I have both done is, I mean, it's the same thing with our to-do list too. You always have those small things that you can rip off your to-do list or those small goals that you can reach right away to give you that positive affirmation of, hey, I did something, I finished something, I achieved a goal. There's nothing wrong with that. So don't just have those huge lofty goals. Have those, where do I want to be in a week? Where do I want to be the end of the day? Like, can I achieve a goal by the end of the day? I think as a business person and as creatives or as a human being, it's good to have those little wins as well. Yeah, I agree. And we were talking about some of our goals. Um, and it's not wrong to say, I don't want to work so hard this year. You know, that was one of the goals that we were <laughs> chatting about. Yes, you know? yes. Now, here's I another question for you. It's another thing yeah. that kind of fits in the same line. Some people are like, okay, if you're going to do your goals, keep them to yourself. Again, this is kind of a an argument both ways. Then there's people who are like, absolutely not. You need to tell your best friend your goal, your wife your goal, your parents your goal, your dog your goal. Now, your dog's probably not going to be able to keep you accountable, but everybody else can. They can reach out to you and say, hey, how's this going? That's where coaching comes in. I think that's where a lot of people use coaches because that gives them the accountability and they share their goals publicly with that coach. What is your feeling on that with should you be sharing your goals publicly or should you really be keeping them to yourself? Uh, depends on the type of goal. Um, some personal goals, you do need that community support, um, especially if you're on like a weight loss type of journey. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, community support for that. Um, and uh, recovery, certain recoveries, you need community support. But there are other goals where you're just challenging yourself and it's kind of like this internal focus um, where you can have those wins just for yourself. It also depends on the type of person you are. If you need to share your news, some of us um, like to share what we're excited about, what, what drives us. Yeah. Um, other times, you know, if you're the introvert, you may not want that. You may not need to brag or have have that pride other than internal pride for that. And, and I think, too, like you said, it really depends on your personality. If you're the type yeah. of person who has trouble with personal accountability and saying, yes, I, I know I need to do this, or, or the drive is sometimes not there, having an accountability partner, as they call it sometimes, or a coach, or, or just a friend that says, hey, you know, get your ass off the couch and do something – Accountability. Yeah, accountability. That's okay. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so I think some people do need that. There, there are much people, who, uh, much more people, who have a different need. They may not have that lack of drive, or may not need that help. That they're very, very driven. So it really comes down to your personality. But I just found it interesting that some people, again, were saying, "Don't share your." your goals publicly because if you don't reach those goals, you'll be shameful. You'll feel guilty. Well, my whole feeling is maybe you need to go deal with those issues. Not the fact that you didn't make your goal. It's fine. If people are disappoint, Absolutely. disappointed in you. I mean, it builds character. Absolutely. So <laughs> in I, them, not you. <laughs> 
So I I just thought that was a really interesting thing. Obviously, being the end of the year, it's kind of cliche to start talking about goals and stuff like that. But it was really interesting to read a lot of articles for setting goals, a lot of articles not for setting goals, having accountability partners, not having accountability partners, being private about it. So it is all over the place. It really comes down to your personality, how you feel about it, how you want to deal with it. But I know both Carl and I are definitely people that like to set goals. And like I said, I don't necessarily set hard goals, but I've always had those in the back of my mind that these are things that I want to achieve or I I want. So goals are important. Maybe look at how you use them and if you're using them to your benefit, because that's the whole point is to make yourself better and to make yourself move forward and thrive to be who you want to be. So really interesting. It, definitely do some searching about it. You'll see there's articles both ways. And so it's a really interesting thing. I think that's enough on goals, not goals, whatever. Let's jump Sorry. into recommendations. What do you got this week? Uh, recent subscription service, um, Harry's Razors. Nice. This is not an affiliate a link of any sort. I'm just thinking this uh, is a better option for me. I've shaved with this uh, razor twice now, and it's the close. I shave every other day because it'll be like a baby's bottom. <laughs> I don't do beards very well, um, so I embrace it fully to shave every other day. And uh, the product is good. But it's also very designerly. If you get this package in the mail, you get this little pamphlet describing how to cert, how to use it, and it's got all these little icons. And I'm like, a designer took some pride in this, and they have a, a wit that I love, and a, it's a brand that I enjoy. So I think that this it's a good service. So. Yeah, I agree. Like I I had gotten it a while back, and they they've expanded their offering too quite a bit. It used to just yeah. be razor handles and razors and then they got into um shaving cream after shave and after shave and stuff like that now they've gotten into a couple other things from what i understand and it's cool because you could do the subscription where you don't even have to think about it you have new razors coming to you are you actually doing that or did you yeah okay cool because i also realized and, and this shows the extent of what these guys have done they're also available in target now Yep, saw them in Target, saw them in Walmart too. Yeah, so I mean that's awesome for them to be able to expand, and it's awesome, for, awesome for me when I'm just like, oh crap, I forgot to order razors, and I could go get the razors for Harry's uh, handles that work. So, and their the razors last quite a long time too, which I was really they're happy. Very about. good quality. I think they're pretty awesome. Um, again, it's also the design experience of it all oh, that yeah. I enjoyed. So packaging and all that so yeah i mean if you're creative you'll absolutely love the packaging it is really well done what do you got spider-man into the spider-verse i went to see it last night and wow i was actually blown away first of all i was like i just paid money to go see a pg movie a cartoon and a movie theater first of all i don't go to the movies that often but I walked out of there, and again, being a creative, I think I take a different eye to it. Um, holy cow. Like, absolutely beautifully done. Story was really cool. But again, I was more looking at the artistic side of it. 
graphics were really, really smooth, beautiful, and there were these really interesting things thrown in that definitely made you realize it was a comic book movie. Now, I don't want to spoil anything because obviously some people may not have seen it yet. Really well done. Really impressed. It's getting rave reviews everywhere that I've heard. Like and The reason I went to see it is a lot of the podcasters that I listened to were raving about it. And one in particular was raving about it to the point where he was telling the host that he was a guest on with. He's like, I don't care what you have to do. You need to go see it this afternoon. Like, because they all had plans to go see it like the next week. And he's like, no, if your family isn't going to come and see it with you today, then tell them that's okay. You'll go see it again later, but you're going to see it this afternoon. And so they were like, wow, we have not heard somebody that excited about it. And coming out of it, I went with a good friend of mine. We went out for drinks afterwards and we just bounced off each other how much we enjoyed it, how cool the artistic value was in it. Now, Adobe supposedly was very, very connected to this movie as well. And I guess for certain parts of it, Photoshop was heavily used to help make the movie. So that's kind of a cool little thing with it as well. I'm not, I didn't even know this movie existed till last week. It, it, it's interesting because it is not very mainstream unless you're yeah. in the comic book area or you're in the creative space, I think because I'm I'm not really into comics too much, but I do love the Marvel movies and, and that. But this one in particular was just a different aspect to it because I was like, okay, it's a cartoon. It's illustrated. How good could this possibly be? And then they, like I was watching the Adobe Max keynote and they talked about how much Adobe was involved with them and I was like oh okay that's a new aspect to me that I think is interesting but then like I said the reviews have just been off the wall now the main premise of the story which I could tell because if you watch the preview you figure it out is there's different spider people in different alternate universes and they all end Mm -hmm. up at the same place and so that's kind of a cool aspect as well now there are there are some big names in this too, with Nicolas Cage in it. Um, I think it's Jake Johnson who's from uh, New Girl. He's the guy that plays her boyfriend, on and off boyfriend. And it's funny because you hear his voice and you're just like, "Why do I know him?" And there, and I said to my buddy, there was a key line that he used in the movie that he very much uses all the time in New Girl, and I was like. That's who that is. Like, I knew right away who that was. Um, so the the question is, though, you get all the Spider-Mans in one universe. Was Deadpool laying on their corpses by the end of it? No, but I did say that. Because that's his goal. I, I know. that there, there was this one point, and I was saying this to my friend, that I know Spider-Man in some comics is a little snarky. I felt like there were points that his snarkiness, I was like, am I watching Deadpool or am I watching Spider-Man? Like, there's a little similar... Now, obviously, this is nowhere near as dark humor as Deadpool, but I did find that interesting. So, I definitely tell you to check it out. I think if you're a creative, you'll really love the artistic value of it. Um, The story was good. 
I don't want to say it was awesome, but the story made sense and it flowed and it, they did a really good job of playing around with some of the origin stories for some of the other characters. So it, it was interesting. Again, some big names in it. So check that out. Um, I was laughing because the girl who plays Gwen is the same girl who's in the Bumblebee movie that's coming out. And I was like, holy cow, talk about having two major movies coming out basically the same week. So, but I did laugh because we're in the theater and we're watching the previews and the previews were all like these feel good, mushy previews. Like trolls. Yeah. Like trolls. Well, pet the pets too preview was part of it. There was one about a dog that got lost and finds its way back to its owner. And I'm going, man, this is some mushy stuff. And then I'm like, that's right. I'm in a PG movie. And so yeah. it was just an interesting environment to be in. But again, highly recommend it. If you get a chance to go see it, definitely go see it. Um, I think you'll really enjoy it, especially if you like comics and you like Spider-Man. If you haven't seen this, you're being crazy. Go see it. So... I think I'm done ranting and raving about that. <laughs> okay. You know, that's that's fine. Just go with the flow. It's been a long no time since I've seen a movie in a theater that's actually made me go, hey, everybody else needs to go see it. Fair enough. So, All right. So I think we're done for today. First of all, I want to say happy holidays to everyone. Um, hope everybody has a safe holiday. And I wish everybody the best going into 2019. I look forward to what you and I are going to do with this going into 2019. We are going to continue rolling forward towards 200. We're on episode 182 now, so we're really not that far away from episode 200. And uh, we appreciate everybody that's been listening this year. We appreciate everybody who um, leaves comments, uh, sends us emails, things like that. We really do appreciate that. If you want to find show notes, which I realize I sometimes forget to mention, you want to go to rookiedesigner.com slash RD182 for this episode. If you're ever listening to an a episode back just remember that it's RD whatever number episode you're listening to. So do you have anything else? Happy holidays, everyone, and happy new year. Set your goals early. And remember, everyone's a rookie before they're an all-star.